0: It is Cole Moss here, your host of Vegan Carne Alliance, and I am sitting here today with the carnivorous, ever excellent chef, Jesse Molinix. How are you doing today, buddy? Pretty good. How are you doing? Are you excited to talk about cookbooks? I am, I love cookbooks. They are fantastic. I don't know if I've ever told you this. So, I've I've made some books in my life, but I have these rules about books in my life, too. I am under the personal belief that a cook, that a book is not a book unless it can be used as a weapon. It needs to be thick enough and heavy enough to where if you were someone threatened your life or you had to protect yourself, if you were holding it, used in the right way, you could protect your life.
1: Yes, or a good like shield you know absolutely yeah
0: yeah right because it has
1: to be able to take a bullet like the bible yeah yeah. you know
0: (laughs) all the people in the war who were like holding little baby bibles that caught bullets
1: like a nice thick cover wouldn't that be great yeah
0: can you imagine if you like told a chef you're like yeah i love your cookbook one time it took a bullet for me
1: (laughs) yeah oh it has like the bullet was like right in there yeah you could show them they could sign it that's cool wouldn't that be a dream as long as they didn't go through like some of the good recipes, you know, yeah, good recipes. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, the, the, the front half
0: is fluff. I'm so glad that's the <laughs> <laughs> only where the bullet thing There aren't that many that are that thick, though. We got the new one. Did you have you seen the Joy of Cooking? Joy of Cooking, yeah, it's um, like the most probably. famous cookbook of all time. It's the white one with the red lettering. They just re released it this year. It's big. It's thick. Oh, I'm sure I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, There's seven thousand recipes. It's yeah. like the grand thing. My uh-huh. favorite part about it is that's still a family cookbook. Anyway whole different thing the whole family to read it today we are going to be talking about drum roll please we're going to be talking about cookbooks we're going to be talking about our favorites we feel like Mm. christmas is coming up who knows if you're buying stuff it's always good to buy gifts not that well i wouldn't say i mean i do think some of mine are worth buying some of them are not but that's fine Uh, everyone
1: i know is going to be getting a cookbook for Christmas, <laughs> yeah
0: right Because they got yeah. too many? That's true, yeah, they're a good thing to give away <laughs> so uh i, I just generally speaking, Jesse, are you you using cookbooks much these days
1: um sometimes uh-huh. um, I like you know when a good cookbook comes around, I like to sit down with it and check it out, see what the chef's doing, read some about it, mm-hmm. see where it takes me mm-hmm. um a lot of times now i'm I'm just coming up with ideas on like like in my dreams or <laughs> I'm climbing or uh-huh. something, you yeah. know, and then Classic. I'll just like, Oh my God, I want to make this. And uh-huh. then, you know, make that or just be, you know, pressed to cook and then I'll have to find what's good at the market and just come up with an idea. Well, so there. say, say you were, you, you went
2: out
0: and ate a type of cuisine that you don't get to have mm-hmm. that much that, you know, but you had it for maybe the first or second or third time and you thought I really like that. I'm not really sure how they did that. Would you, are you going out and buying cookbooks solely on something like that? Would you do it I'll on a lark? i definitely
1: go, if, if I'm interested in a cuisine, I'm definitely going to find a chef that I like and relate with uh-huh. that is doing um, a cookbook in that cuisine, uh-huh. you know, like you're going to have your, your selection, uh-huh. but you know, you just, I think it's good to research, find a chef that you can, that you can trust and then go from there and then follow the recipes so that you're always starting from a place of like uh, of knowledge, a place where. Someone has taken the time to do the research and then you can learn, oh, what this tastes like at that basic stage before you kind of um, get creative and uh, altering your own recipes. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, I think <laughs>
0: what's tricky now about cookbooks is I think cookbooks are, I mean, like many industries that are figuring out how to coexist with the Internet. It's kind of that question now of like, what do cookbooks mean now? When if I need a recipe for vegan chocolate chip cookies, or if I want to, you know, make some bolognese, vegan bolognese, I can go online and search for a recipe and find it. So the question is, right, why do recipes- you...
1: terrible. <laughs> so, okay,
0: let's talk about that a little bit. Because uh-huh. I do... Not uh, terrible, they're just not that great Well the thing that I think is really <laughs> tricky about a lot of things Is I, I i don't know how you feel But almost every recipe I make now I kind of have inclinations of things that I naturally like I might like mm-hmm. things a little more acidic A little more salty, a little more fatty So it depends, I might use oil Or nutritional yeast in a different right. way Than the recipe calls for For and sure. what I'm really making is the recipe the way I want More than anything I think of the internet as kind of a boilerplate place Where totally. I'm finding I, I might go through and I'll find I'll literally find like the top three recipes and I'll literally go through and see how they differ. Mm-hmm. And from the three of those, I will sort of meld a Frankenstein.
1: See, that's exactly what I, I use it for as well, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're going to, it, it, like for me, like sometimes I just forget the proportions of things. Like there's, right. like it's impossible to remember every recipe unless uh-huh. you're making it constantly. True. So just getting like a basic proportion in your brain mm-hmm. you know you can do most recipes even baking you know it's true it, and it it doesn't really like those little few grams if you're just making it once you're not really making something that's perfect anyways so having a starting place but the thing is is those recipes for someone that doesn't know how to cook or is or is inexperienced it's a terrible place to start because they don't have the knowledge or the skill set to elaborate and fix the things that they might not even know are happening or mm-hmm. or what or whatever it is, you know? Well, you said in there, and that's one of the few places... It's interesting to think
0: about sort of how we want cookbooks or what they can do. And I know a lot of people who say they don't like cooking, but they love baking because it's so prescriptive. The Whenever it says use, you know, an eighth of a cup of something, it's mm-hmm. it's very particular for the most part. I feel like when you're cooking on the stove it's sort of a grab and go things are like frying it's more in that time, moment time yeah, sensitive yeah, for right. sure. whereas if you're baking you can pre-measure everything you sort of like you mix it all together take and, eight hours exactly. to make a cake that takes 10 steps. minutes or
1: 30 minutes yeah.
0: right and there's a i think something with like the cookbooks in that realm feel a little more important because of how prescriptive they are mm-hmm. that there's a necessity to that and if you can find someone who's doing desserts the way you want to do them at least in my brain it seems that that's a more natural place for uh, at least a place where you'd think a, a cookbook might be more necessary
1: or I mean I say that but I don't know. You know, I I think cookbooks are just a a really wonderful place to just find new ideas, uh-huh. explore new cuisines, uh-huh. and it's always good to to you know look into the chef uh-huh. that you're that you're that you're starting with and not just like the cover of the book or how uh-huh. popular it is because when you're making a recipe from a cookbook, it's always good to make that recipe before you elaborate on it to uh-huh. understand like where it's coming from. Uh-huh. You know, it's like something that's like just adding lemon just because you like lemon to something. You could totally miss the concept of what that uh-huh. original recipe is. Uh-huh. And um, and I think having a really good chef that did a good book uh-huh. is just a great place to learn. And then after you've done that a few times, then you can start looking at cookbooks as a place where you're... Getting ideas, and mm. you're more using them to to create imagination and this exploration into food. Uh-huh. But you have to start out with doing recipes that are good, solid ones, like Julia Child's cookbook. Uh-huh. You know, Marco Pierre White. Uh-huh. These these people are like making; they're they're not going to steer you wrong ever. Well, so let's let's talk about mm. in the recipe book because it's tricky. Whenever you. I,
0: I have not made a cookbook, but I would assume that making it is something that's fairly difficult. I, I've, I've read a lot of stories about chefs who have made cookbooks and what that's like and how you end up asking your friends or your family to sort of be your testers for it. And one of the things that I was thinking about is um, I have not done this and I wanted to know if you have. I do have a dream someday in the same way that I want to build my own house or be able to fix my own car at any point. It would be I think it'd be uh, something I would like to do at least once in my life is do a cookbook entirely. Uh, And that means the recipes from someone else. Mm -hmm. So a cookbook that I purchase, I would like to do every single recipe in it because I think there's, I don't know, I, I, I think you can get to know someone in a really particular way through that. Um, I think that's
1: something that like, if you do that, you will form a connection with that chef because you won't do that many times. Have you done anything like that? Have you, not every recipe in a book, but I've gone through, um, a few, few books and, and have done several recipes, uh-huh. <laughs> but I've rarely done um, like all the recipes. There's so many books and so many things. Not just, everything calls out. Yeah. I feel
0: like I'm trying to remember. I there's like a few a,
1: books that I've ventured pretty deep into. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what I find, uh, yeah, there was a, I, I'm trying to remember. I, in my brain, it's Dan Barber. I don't actually know if this is true, but his the chef out of New York who um, has the the his own farm and then restaurant. I'm trying to remember what the restaurant's called, but they uh he. They he, he released, I thought, I think it was him, he released a cookbook with some su- sweets. It was like a, it had a whole bunch of, um it was a der- dessert cookbook, and one person th- went out and made every single recipe, and he, he actually came to him one day, and he was like, I'm trying to do this recipe, but I can't figure out how to do it. And they actually, in that moment, found out that the recipe was wrong, and that's why the person was never able to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, it just seems really fascinating to me.
1: Uh, oh, I've... I've I've known some chefs that are a chef, but I'm not gonna say who, but has totally left recipes out of their cookbook. Oh yeah, well I would assume that almost. And I'm like, that's one of the most important, you know. And I've made it. (laughs) No, they leave out pieces of it,
0: right? Because really important pieces. Well, they want to make it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They want to make it better in their restaurant. There's a reason. I mean, if you sell the cookbook, if you get the the famous recipe, Mm -hmm. that's why. What's it? Is it Bon Appetit? Where you can um you can mail to them and tell them. Ask them, how do we make this really famous dish from this restaurant? And they'll actually tell you how to try to make it. Oh, have you ever really seen that? No, yeah, I, I think that's, think that's pretty
1: r- cool, though. It is cool. Yeah, and then Sounds there's. Sounds exhausting like- to explain to someone on the phone how even like, you have no idea what their skill level is. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I don't, I don't know.
1: But it does seem. It's like an operator job. <laughs> Ouch. Whisk the egg yolks till they're frothy.
0: <laughs> right. I'll stay with you for the next three minutes yeah. as you do that. Just set the phone down. Um, oh,
1: yes. For like three hours. It doesn't look anything like the recipe. Mm. That's, oh, yeah, that brings me to another point, though. You know, when, um, I think it's very important for someone that, like, that doesn't, that likes to cook. Let's say someone likes to cook and they like to experiment and they do want to get into um, growing as a chef. Or growing as a just a cook in any way
2: mm-hmm.
1: and cookbooks is the route they want to go it's really good to um d- you know do the recipes that you before elaborating on it you know because then you, it, i was of saying this earlier but you really understand you know what is happening and i think that like i myself has have missed like done recipes and then changed ingredients mm-hmm. and then like this is weird and it's like yeah because you change all the <laughs> recipe, <laughs> right? Yeah, you fault them. You're like, yeah. I can't
0: believe this is so salty, and the recipe doesn't call for salt. You're like, this right. tastes weird. Like, How yeah, because you.
1: you like mixed milk and oranges, and it curdled. You, you're like, yeah, you do crazy stuff when you're first cooking. You do.
0: That's <laughs> good. Well, uh, let's go ahead, and we're gonna take a real quick break, and we will be right back to talk about our favorite cookbooks. This podcast is brought to you by Wheat. That's it. That's the whole thing. Week. Begin. Carnage Alliance. And we're back. So Jesse and I are going to be talking about our... I don't know. I, I don't know if it's our favorite cookbooks because favorite, I feel like in my brain, favorite means the ones I use the most, but these are five cookbooks that I think are really interesting that have changed my culinary life. And I think they're worth talking about. How did you just, before we go into it, how did you assemble your list? What were you thinking when you started?
1: These are, these are probably, um, Five of my favorite cookbooks. there's does, There are. Does others. favorite
0: mean most used? Most used. It is. It's yeah. actually like where you return Except the most often.
1: One which just came out. Okay. Which you know we're going to talk about, but uh-huh. um, most of these cookbooks I've used tremendously or have gathered tons of inspiration from. Okay. Well, mm. let's go ahead and get it started, Jesse. And and all of these, I don't know
0: about you. Mine are in no particular order are your mine's not like an actual five to one like the number one is the best that's yeah not it's me. not cool. it, yeah these
1: okay. are they're all like okay. there's no best in in this category excellent okay great <laughs> well let's let's start it off jesse what is your first cookbook well the first one i chose was the whole beast nose to tail by fergus Henderson. okay it was um a segment in my career where i just started i was working at like my first a uh, restaurant downtown, the Gorbals. First started as a chef. Yeah. Okay, the- your first entrance into professional life as into a chef. professional uh-huh. life as a chef. Uh-huh. And it was this cookbook that was part of a big movement. You know, it really, it changed restaurants uh-huh. in a whole. Anthem Mordain was greatly influenced by uh-huh. Fergus Henderson. And Fergus Henderson is just one of these chefs that kind of opened the food world up uh-huh. to new ideas of like eating the whole beast, Uh the, the, the ears, the nose, like in looking at these, these parts as delicacies, Uh he's the reason why bone marrow went from being something that a lot of places threw away Uh to being, you know, one of the most expensive expensive. items. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. same thing with like the liver and all these parts that were viewed previously as kind of a trash, you know, Mm -hmm. he elevated it all. And it really, it sparked a, you know, across the nation, you know, and tons of restaurants, like, um and chefs like uh Joseph Centeno in downtown and mm. and um Elon Hall and mm-hmm. you know, people I've worked for well, were so
0: greatly influenced by Can I ask you a question mm-hmm. about the the sort of bone the bone marrow thing? Is everyone forever has been making uh, bone stock, right? Yes. Why? Why did we just in this singular that singular moment learn that this could be another dish?
1: Well, uh, the stock and the marrow are totally different. Oh, they are. They don't. Yeah. Oh, really? Because they're they're, all, they're just the bone. I mean, it's well. The 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 stock is made from all bones, uh-huh. and the marrow is generally from the shank. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the, okay. it's a it's a it's a thicker part of the bone, and uh-huh. the the stock is deriving the collagen from the bones uh-huh. as well as the flavor, uh-huh. and the marrow is like the inner fatty. Uh-huh part which might have collagen i don't really know the composition of it but okay it's really fatty and savory uh-huh. so when you're cooking <clears throat> from this
0: thing what are you mm-hmm. typically like what's your what are your recipes that you reach for whenever oh, you're thinking about what to make
1: so one of my favorite recipes and i it, interesting enough it was one of the recipes that i did with the lawn hall at the gorbals uh-huh. but it's a green bean chutney with finn and hattie and it is just out of this world so it's a it's basically it's kedgerie fin and haddy kedgerie so it's it's kind of like a fried rice Mm -hmm. scottish style with haddock smoked haddock Mm -hmm. and then he makes this green bean chutney which is brown sugar green beans um malt vinegar and some herbs and spices Mm -hmm. and you cook it to this like nice chutney consistency which is like a jam Mm -hmm. so there's all these green beans and chunks of um Of onion and stuff in it and it's served with this smoked fish with Uh. this nice rice rice dish and it's very like you know indian inspired i think Uh. you know and he's english so there's a lot of indian influence did this cookbook when you found it you said it
0: was at the beginning of your cooking career do you think that sort of ignited i mean obviously you were into cooking already you were Mm -hmm. passionate
1: about it but how did this change your relationship with food oh it just really got me into the weird it really got me like like learning that the things that are uh-huh. that there's so much more to it's, you know, like the bubble was popped, uh-huh. you know, it's like, Oh, these are the filet mignon and all these like really nice cuts are where the flavors at. And to learn that that's totally not true. Uh-huh. And that the ugly and the, the thrown away is like the best part, you uh-huh. know, like it's, you know, it's like living in the castle and then learning that the peasants food tastes better than your stuff. You know, uh-huh. it's kind of like, Oh, Whoa, that's the whole, your whole world blows up and you're like, Wow there's a whole nother level of food that I was kind of unaware of. Right. Just
0: something you're not thinking about. That is, mm-hmm. that is a very interesting choice.
1: Well, it so, was great at the beginning of my career too, because I'd been cooking before, like, you know, my whole life with my mom and sure. family and stuff. Uh-huh. But at this point it was, it, it was something that the restaurants were doing and I was super into. So mm-hmm. it was, it got me in, into these places that were like, you know, restaurants, like big restaurants at the time, you know, mm-hmm. Rivera and, and a Baco, uh Lazy Ox, like these places downtown, these chefs I really liked, really respected, and we're doing really interesting um new things, you know, with different parts of the animal. <laughs> Well, speaking in, of in different cuisines, the, yeah.
0: yeah. So speaking of the ugly things, the my first choice on this is probably why well, in my brain it's the second cookbook to ever go diamond in RCAA terms or RIAA. What is the what is the music certification?
1: Uh, I have you, no idea. So whenever whenever a musical
0: album sells ten million copies, it is diamond. You know there aren't okay. that many musical albums that have done it. Not that these books have sold ten uh-huh. million, but to be honest, it's I mean it's one of the best sellers. I have. Your Yotam, and I could be pronouncing this a long, wrong, Yotam Ottolenghi's Plenty as the first book that I mentioned. Now, this is not a vegan cookbook, but it is a vegetarian cookbook with some mini vegan recipes and a lot of things that could easily be made vegan. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You, you just don't do the feta or whatever that is. Oh, yeah. Um, but That's this book, a great cookbook. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting, even in the way that it's made. There are things that I think people will do to sort of set them apart. And if you pick up this book cover, it's a little soft the actual, it's a Mm hardcover, but it's a little soft. And within that, I think it automatically starts to give like a new, (laughs) um, it gives like a new interpretation for how these things sort of work. I, um, I think it'd take a bullet. This thing. Yeah. No, it's, (laughs) it's almost bulletish. It is a very uh, thick cook, cook, but I'd say that this is sort of, um, this is like one of the I don't know, it's sort of in the Mount Rushmore of vegetarian and vegan-ish cookbooks because of, um, I think for a lot of people, most people are afraid of vegetarianism because they're like, oh, it's not going to be flavorful. I don't want to just eat Mm -hmm. carrots. But this shows that if you, you know, if you give it a glaze and then you cover it in herbs and you roast them, they're delicious. Oh, they're super delicious. That
1: cookbook has been in so many kitchens that I've been in. Mm -hmm. So many chefs that I know that are good, great chefs. Have that cookbook. Can we talk a little... So I've never worked in a kitchen in the way Mm -hmm. that you have. If there are
0: cookbooks in a kitchen, what does that... Like, are those... What do those become reference points for? How do those... How do cookbooks get used in a kitchen if those cookbooks are not from that restaurant? What does that mean? Well,
1: generally, there's like five cookbooks that are like up next to like the scale or something, Mm -hmm. you know, on a high shelf. Mm -hmm. And they're generally just... Kind of cookbooks that have influenced the restaurant or mm-hmm. that the chef really likes, uh-huh. and they're just you know there for the people that are working there to, yeah, uh-huh. exactly just to
0: flip through and go, What could we do? What could our special be? Mm-hmm. Let's mix and match,
1: you know, a little bit of time mm-hmm. off. Like some of the people that are working there, can check it out, but I've never been in a place really where you, the chef, like sits down, and it's like, Oh, this is and mm-hmm. like goes through why and how and what, but. But you know that cookbook because it's so it has so many good vegetable ideas and so many interesting things to do mm-hmm. that are vegetarians, which is um, you know a lot of times that's that's like the trick like w- what's a new way to use to make a side like the side to, to combine a meat this with that. or a whole mm-hmm. dish that's vegetarian salad you know well one of the things that I
0: find so fascinating about this book and there's a dramatic irony in this because this is somehow weirdly pervasive in other vegetarian cookbooks or vegan cookbooks and that is well maybe not vegan ones, but vegetarian ones for sure. Um, As I was sort of looking into this, I I sort of found out the story. So in 2006, The Guardian brought him in to write a weekly column called The New Vegetarian, which he was like, why am I writing this? I'm not a vegetarian. And that is what is so interesting is maybe the most popular vegetarian cookbook of all time, or it's one of it's one of two. There's another one I'm going to talk about later. Um, he he is he is not a vegetarian. He mm. eats meat, and I find yeah. that that's in the same reason why I made. I mean, why I wanted to do this podcast and do this website is because so many of my favorite things come from places where the. Vegetables or making vegan items are not necessarily their focus, but it is something that they do and do really well. And I think that it's worth sort of discussing at least why so many things it's like, why why is Ottolenghi good at making vegetarian food if he's not a vegetarian? I think that's worth having a conversation.
1: It's at least something interesting. Hmm. Well, that does bring me to like, I do feel like typically people that eat meat Uh make more, more flavorful food
0: can't happen that way i mean yeah i, I, I think they're more into it <laughs> uh-huh. well that is i yeah i do think i do think they they're afraid of it being la- lacking in flavor and i think because of that they have they go in a little harder
1: they go in a little harder they're uh-huh. used to just more intense flavors uh-huh. like using things to really get the flavor out. so when you know like they you you know when you have just carrots mm-hmm. that might maybe just lightly salted and roasted that might that's for a lot of like meat eaters who are used to eating like you know sauces and meats and mm-hmm. with tons of heavy cream they're or like yeah. that's just like yeah it's a carrot whatever oh, right <laughs> not as exciting not as exciting mm. well but every now and then, you know for me i like i totally am about like nice simple vegetables like that with a nice like steak with a sauce on it Ooh. what I love with this thing being so popular mm-hmm. plenty as a
0: cookbook so he has a few he has plenty he has plenty more both of those are what I would recommend if you're looking for a great way to start getting more vegetarian or vegan food into your life he has a new one out called simple um, but what I really loved about this about this thing doing well and this is I think happens to almost everyone in life and that is when you expect something to go well it rarely does and he literally <laughs> when offered so we had been writing a column for the guardian when offered the chance to do this he balked he didn't want to do it and the quote that i found that i found was hilarious it just says beggars can't be choosers so he decided to do the cookbook (laughs) and of course it ends up being the thing that he's most known for it's like a carnivore is most known for making vegetables and
1: And it has so many dishes that are just like interesting they're full of fresh herbs you know like the the front cover with the eggplant with the pomegranate and the yogurt Mm -hmm. and looks like some parsley or mint sprinkled on top right that is absolutely delicious. Right. And those kinds of combinations with vegetables right. are just extraordinary. Anything in that cookbook. I've actually cooked a lot from that cookbook. Mm-hmm. And everything in that's great. It's really good. It really is good. All right. Let's keep
0: moving forward. All Jesse, right, what it. is
1: your next cookbook? My next cookbook is Moro the cookbook. Um, I think you told me today that Morrow is a restaurant. I didn't even know that. I use this cookbook a lot in my earlier days, uh-huh. um, a little bit. A little bit after, I uh, my you know my twenty two whatever I don't know, but this cookbook just has really nice simple, um like Spanish Mediterranean, uh kind of that, meta you know like that I call it the Holy Trinity like like Morocco, um Mm -hmm. Turkey Spain, Mm -hmm. and the the recipes are just simple straightforward and delicious and the cookbook really to me, makes you feel romantic about food. It it takes you to those places and really it makes you envision living the life of having that cuisine every day and what that must be like, mm-hmm. you know, with these fishes and oils with tomato sauce and mm-hmm. you're dipping bread and mm-hmm. these roasted vegetables, <clears throat> vegetables, drizzled olive oil mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, beautiful flaky sea salt uh-huh. and uh, preserved fish. And it's just such a, in the cover, like. I think has it says it all with this, the fishmonger Uh holding two baskets full of fish Mm -hmm. and he's got this like wonderful Eastern European suit on.
0: So can I ask a question (laughs) with a cookbook like that where the focus is Mediterranean food, especially now and I I think a lot of food in general across the country in a lot of places is moving towards focusing on freshness, trying Mm -hmm. to find things that are more local. Mediterranean food is especially uh, focused on fresh food, right? It's like fresh produce on the spot is a cookbook like that really useful in a place where you don't have, I mean, Mediterranean, if you don't have access to Mediterranean vegetables or Mediterranean fish, is that food, do you find it still as interesting cooked
1: in Los Angeles or wherever someone else might be? Oh, you can get all these ingredients in Los Angeles. And it still holds up. Oh yeah. A lot of it's very simple and you its you know, things like olive oil and Uh vinegars and like pickled fish or, Mm -hmm. you know, but it also has tons of just It does like, you know, very, Uh very much of just where it's from Uh simple cooking Mm. and which I actually don't know a whole lot about where it's from, but I've read a ton of the recipes like your Arabic, Hispanic dishes, uh, Moro, Moors, you know, Hmm. it's just, it's, it's a really wonderful cook, but great recipes. Um,
0: is there anything in particular that's a favorite in there?
1: Um,
0: I'm putting you on the spot. It's okay if you don't have one. Okay. I don't no, it's okay. I don't have any in particular. Right <laughs> I wish I sure have gone through it a little it, more, it's honestly. Okay. But I mean, if it's if it's, you love the whole thing, it's hard yeah, to it was, recommend you know, one. It was,
1: a, it's, it was a cookbook I read a lot when I was my 22, 21. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah. Well, so we'll start moving on. So my mm-hmm. next
0: one. Um. So my next book cookbook is one that I actually, I would still recommend, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily. I wouldn't, I don't know. Um. It Depending on the palate, I wouldn't actually say that it's. <laughs> The greatest cookbook. There are recipes throughout it, but it is a book that's called The Complete Guide to Vegan Food Substitution. So, this is a book by Celine Steen and Joni Marine Newman. Um, they also have another cookbook called 500 Vegan Recipes. A lot of early on, I think a lot of the vegan stuff, they didn't have interesting names. You know what I mean? A lot of times, you know how you'll drive by a restaurant and it'll just say, like, vegan tie or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's early on. You just, you had to say what you were. There was no way to be sort of in my brain. It didn't seem as interesting, but what I love about this book in this book, when I first went vegan, this is one of the first ones I bought. And what I liked about it is I felt like it set me free. I don't know. Whenever you, <laughs> whenever you, uh, for me, my experience in going vegan was you, it's tough. A lot of life is centered around food and you don't want to be excluded. You understand that you're making a choice that probably will exclude you from things like, you know, vegan family dinners or not from vegan family dinners, but from like holidays with the family where no one ever made anything vegan before. Um, and it was really new. This book taught me about substitution. So you get on the front side, just that first section, it just says like how to substitute for dairy, for eggs, for meat, for soy, for gluten, for soy. And it literally is just, it's all breakdowns with that. And then they have recipes throughout, and it looks beautiful. It's a nice little compact thing. Um, I used this thing a ton when I started out, and I, I just don't cook from recipes as much anymore. But yeah. when this thing first came out, it was freedom. It was an emancipation of my brain because I was real worried about like seeing a recipe and going like, well, fuck, what do I do whenever I don't have this or that or the other thing? Because in the same way, so we talk about like, I often talk to people about like baking. So vegan baking is really interesting. Often whenever you need a binding agent where things where you'll typically use egg, you can use so many different things now that Mm -hmm. are naturally sweet. So an egg is not naturally sweet, right? It is a great binding agent. But if you use things like you can use applesauce, they have egg replacer, um, there are just so many different things you can use coconut and all of those things are naturally sweet and will add a complexity to the sweet that, I mean, depending on if you want it or not, there are just so many different options and this thing, it set me up and I think it's, um, I think that's important. Now you can go online and probably find things like this on the internet. Um, But for me at the time, that was not readily
1: available information and this
0: thing was really
1: important. You know, that's, that just sounds like a wonderful book. Uh, especially if you're starting out being vegan because i often wonder like what they sub what people substitute uh-huh. things for and i'm still learning sure. um, all the time i, I am you know, too like in learning about well, the new things well, that they're substituting
0: even i mean the thing that's really cool about veganism right now is anybody yeah. who's even remotely interested in vegan or vegetarian things at this moment is we are in the influx of new things all the time right. so mm-hmm. let me ask you a question a year ago had you had oat
1: milk Um, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I
0: I had not, not, I hadn't even heard of it. I don't think so. Right. It's, it's, it went to stores and now it's, I mean, can you walk into a coffee shop and not find oat milk? Every single one of them has it. Yeah. I do like oat milk a lot. I I love it. Right. I think it is probably it's one of the most it it sort of fluffs in a way that milk Mm. traditionally did. And I think it's probably the best sort of equivalent currently. And it's like we're constantly trying new things. I just the people who make Oatly, they just announced that they're going to make Keenly, which is a quinoa based milk. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, I'm very what I'd say is we're in like veganism is I know it's been around for 40, 50 years now. But it is still in its infancy. We literally are making new products every year, and I think as we're figuring out what's the equivalent of this or how can we remake that, I would say honestly, it changes. Like every six months, it, there's a better vegan cheese yeah. on the market. It's one of those things. You,
1: I have one question: Are you concerned with the the like how much processing goes into mm-hmm. making some of these? Vegan substitutes? For the most part, no. Because I yeah. think whenever we
0: talk about processing, we're talking about it depends on what you mean by it. I actually sort of wrote about this recently. Mm-hmm. But for, for the most part, in the same way, if you if you go, to, say you're making a smoothie, that's a form of processing. If you right. put a bunch of ingredients together and you blend them, they are processed. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is there are things to that. If you're putting... like. I think processing is not inherently negative. I think putting ingredients in things that make them last longer, like preservatives, I think those can't, like, the way that I think of, essentially, if in my brain, if I can put something on the shelf that's not, say, pickled, because I don't think, you know, things that are pickled are processed, but if you put, like, Oreos on the shelf... In 20 years, those things will still be Oreos. Probably. You know what and I mean? still
1: really good.
0: R- True. Tr- tr- I would still eat them. <laughs> but I think that's one of the things where we get a little like... Yeah. It's a little off is in the conversation of what we're having. But I
1: think like Oreos, like a lot of Oreos is probably pretty damn bad for you. Oh, it's... I'm sure it's terrible. Yeah. But
0: that's, that's because but it's yeah. got a lot of preservatives. And that's in my brain mm-hmm. that is processed. I don't think of... Right. Like whenever people... I don't know. It just depends on what's going into it because some things are just like when we say processed to me, that could also just mean fortification, which we've been doing mm-hmm. forever. Oh, we yeah. fortify our animals, it's every cereal true. you've ever eaten. It's like quote unquote healthy. All of those are fortified with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, vitamins, minerals, things like that. Um, so for me, I don't, I mean, I don't think about it too much, but I don't know. Yeah. You? you. I mean,
1: are you into it? I was, I was curious, you know, because, um, I think that a lot of products that are, processed in the sense of I mean like put through a packaging stage yeah you know where they're going through a plastic and and being altered from the original state. like like taking all the the proteins from peas and all these. it just you know it does make me wonder like oh is is that are people, like how are they looking into it does that affect the digestive property is it mm-hmm. cancer causing all those things right. and you know I've tried um a lot of the, like a lot of the vegan products not mm-hmm. all of them but a lot of them sure. and I typically think that they're much better, uh, and made a lot more conservative, considerably better than like other processed foods. What I was going to say, I mean, most of the time, (laughs) like like say you're buying almond milk or oat milk, there aren't,
0: I mean, almost if you buy traditional milk in most places that cow, I mean, it's like, do we know the antibiotics that have gone through that cow to keep it healthy? Uh Those are things where I think we just, we don't. I mean we talked a lot about labeling and I think Mm -hmm. that's a big part of it I think honestly just all of our food system it would be great if it improved for that because we just don't know I mean I think your question is fair and to be honest I mean in the same way I think a lot of the science is still not out on it I mean Mm -hmm. we talk about like GMO things but like there, have,
1: there have been no extensive. Cole, I'm smiling at you because we're getting so far. Oh, off I know. Okay. Yeah, cookbooks. let's pull back. <laughs> cookbooks are so
0: good. Thank you for bringing us back, everyone at home. Let's clap for uh, Jesse a little bit. Clap, yes. clap, 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 clap. Okay, Jesse's just bringing are, us back. Bring us back. Tell to us cookbooks. about
1: your third cookbook now, please. Okay, so, my third cookbook is the family meal. Now, this cookbook is by who? What's his Ferran name? Adria. Ferran Adrià. Adrià, yes, uh-huh. the chef of El Bowie. Uh-huh. And this is about making family meal at restaurants, which so people don't know what's yeah. Family so meal? family meal is is before service. Mm-hmm. The chefs generally, like the sous chef or the head chef or someone, t- hardly ever the head chef uh-huh. will make food for the entire staff of the restaurant, mm-hmm. and it's a big thing. And good restaurants all do it. If you don't do it, you should really start because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a it's a time to bring the bring the staff together. Mm-hmm. It's a time for everyone that to show that. They care about each other, uh-huh. so good family meals ultimately mean good restaurants uh-huh. well, in and a I lot do, of ways. I
0: think they make rece- restaurants even better. I mean, a famous version of family meal that uh, I think is a little un- unfortunately named, but they've t- mm-hmm. you know they t- sort of talk about this. But like at Momofuku, they they talk about um, what was the Christina Tosi's place called? what's her milk bar? Uh, yeah, milk bar. Uh-huh. So, uh, they they have a thing called cr- crack cake, crack pie, I think. And oh, she yeah. made that for the first time for family meal, Right. Uh-huh. and that became I mean, that became I think one of the first items that they were like this will be part of Milk Bar. Oh yeah, it's right. a,
1: it's a it's a great time exactly. to test recipes right. for and also for new chefs to uh-huh. show their skill. Uh-huh. And like sometimes yeah, if it's if it's it a big hit, uh-huh. You can go right, go right to the menu, well, you know? So let's talk about can that. Be, so
0: that's family meal. But this is, he's from El Bouilly, which for mm-hmm. people who don't know, El Bouilly was the first place to do what's called molecular gastronomy. It's one of the first places. And what that means is they're making really, really weird food. So you might see things like, you might see things like cotton candy, um, shrimp.
2: Yeah. Or, <laughs> or you, or you
0: might see things where like, um, I don't know. I mean, well, another version of this, this, when I think of it, I think of, um, Noma, and I think uh-huh. of them literally like um, putting ants into salt and then letting the ants eat that salt. And then you put the ants on your food, and mm. the ants are salt or the salt that sounds delicious. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but so let's talk Who about is this. that thing.
1: one should, okay? What was the um, what was his name? Uh-huh. He had H- Henderson, no, not Henderson. Oh man, Hinson. I forget, but this guy would do things like he would make apples. He'd take these medieval dinners hmm. and he would make these things look like an apple. He would spray paint everything with like yeah. edible stuff. And they were like made from like bowl balls. <laughs> and he'd have these dinners and like people would be like eating this stuff and nothing was what it what it looked like. Oh, that's cool. You know. Well, I do. I do love that sort of experience. And they were as 80. Man, what was his name? he had I got his cookbook it was like everything was impossible to make
0: of course (laughs) well let's let's talk about this so what I so just me I hadn't seen this cookbook before and I'll just say now it's one of the most beautifully designed cookbooks I've ever seen Mm -hmm. it almost has like step by step but it's actually all pictorial so on a single page you might see like 12 images carved up across a pretty big sort of like is it Toshin who produced that who made that book? Uh, Faden, Faden, um, and they, yeah, it's it's a pretty good, big sized book, and it's really cool how they've set it up because on each image they'll actually write what that step is. They'll say you use this much butter, or this much salt, and of course, all of these oh, things and, can. And be- it really
1: shows the process, like what things are supposed to look like uh-huh. in each stage, right, which helps a lot. It is this cookbook in for me making family meals mm-hmm. for, in restaurants or even doing um, my first parties mm-hmm. for like 12, 15 people mm-hmm. dinner parties. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me a real good baseline to start for if I want to cook for this amount of people, uh-huh. how much do I need? Because it's a lot harder <clears throat> to translate small recipes to big recipes because they do not line up. Uh-huh. You can't just uh, take the same method. Right. And, and things, scale it up. You have to. Right. Right. There's tons of different things you have to accommodate for. Interesting. And so this, is that
0: for if you have that recipe, is that for 10 people every time?
1: Oh, more than 10 people. Well, I was going to
0: say, has, yeah. Yeah, it's for the whole restaurant, so there's probably enough for, I But think, if you're for, cooking at home for you and your
1: you know, partner, what do you do? Oh, well, you, but it's, okay, cooking at a large scale and reducing it down is a lot easier than going the opposite oh, direction. Oh, really? Wait, why yeah. is that? Well, because, for instance, like, let's say Brussels sprouts, right? Uh-huh. Now, if you're making a small pan of Brussels sprouts, Whoa. it's typically the same as making a lot. Okay. But the difference is you don't take like the whole amount of bus and try to saute them all at once. Sure. You have to do it in increments. Mm-hmm. So it teaches you that there are certain things that you can, you can't go to the large scale at. It just takes longer. Okay. So you, you know, like you can't, um, like you'll bake too many things at once. Cause it'll change. the it could lower the oven, da 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 like mm-hmm. cakes and stuff like that. Larger mm-hmm. cakes, the, the, the amount of water mm-hmm. the the density inside of it might, if it's like in a certain kind of, Different shaped pan, uh-huh. the the cooking time is not going to be forty five. That might not even be double it. It mm-hmm. could be like in some random uh-huh. number that you don't know. Uh-huh. So you <laughs> love this.
0: This cookbook is mostly interesting for you in the capacity of you thinking about making big meals.
1: Well, it has great recipes. Uh-huh. It's made for cooks uh-huh. because it's you know family meal and uh-huh. people work in restaurant industry. So you can rely that these recipes are going to be delicious right. and really good are traditionally is family meal at a restaurant typically
0: a simpler or easier to make meal is there a simplification to that whereas like certain things might be more involved do you find that family meal is often less because you have to produce for larger amounts of people
1: well it goes it, it uh, depends on the, like also the, like the, the momentum of the restaurant mm, Okay, you know because sometimes the staff could be like fired like when I worked at Bestia mm-hmm. that was some of the best family meals I've ever had mm. <clears throat> and in a way i i have the actually the bestia cookbook is the next one and mm. i almost wanted to do the two Spoiler at the same word. time yeah i know well <laughs> in a way they kind of are in essence like the same because bestia is a restaurant mm. and you know restaurant recipes can be very hard to replicate at home and also true. just like a little too much or even mm. getting the ingredients can be just impossible oh so true but but at bestia when we're making family meal like i remember this one a uh, young chef is a uh, girl named Carmina. She made this wonderful family meal. It was ramen and she came in early and really put in the time to, to make a really special, uh, family meal for the whole staff. And then I've been at places where it's like, you know, Oh, we have a bunch of leftover tofu. Let's just like mix that up with some beans and, you know, pour some onions on it and like try to, you know, serve it to the staff as like monk food. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) and like, and just terrible. And it really can, it could really F up the night. Really? Like, Oh man, the serving staff, like, cause those guys are all actors. They don't eat ever. Uh-huh. You know, they're, <laughs> they're all low blood sugar. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. but this is a good, great book to, to just get really wonderful ideas. Uh-huh. You could do dinner parties. You can scale it down for a single two person. You can scale it up to, you know, if you want to do larger ones uh-huh. and it just has like straight, really good, really good recipes, really good instructions, really clean, concise. It's, got, it's a chef of buoy. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to put anything that's lower than his standards. So it's just like hundred percent reliable. If you ask me,
0: that's great. Okay. Well, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to take a quick break. When yeah, we come back, we
1: will get my next
0: and then we will have, so we've got five left for you. Better watch out. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Mouths. Use them to speak and eat regularly. Vegan Vegan. Carnegie Alliance. All right, now we're back. Uh, We are going to be talking about, so, my third cookbook is a cookbook that Honestly, I'm not, I I actually haven't really tried to cook from this yet because it's a very, um, I'm not, I'm, I, I wouldn't say that I know a lot of people come to veganism for health reasons and health reasons alone. And, um, that's not the side of it that's for me. I'm kind of, um, I, I'm still with Anthony Bourdain on the idea that my, you know, life is a ride and my body's a roller coaster and let's just go and try <laughs> things. I want to, I want to put things in my body, um, even, but I want them to be vegan, um, in, in the way that this cookbook works. So the, my next cookbook is Rosalie Hurd and Frank J Hurd. Uh, they made a, it's a, it says a cookbook dot, dot, dot 10 talents. So this cookbook is called 10 talents on the spine. It says it, this is, I have the pictorial edition on it. It says natural foods, a diet from the garden of Eden, which should hint at what this is. Jesse, this is a, very religious cookbook <laughs> so um uh, the, the
1: interesting cookbook i've come across the the
0: uh, which says a lot because jesse hold Especially on because
1: the, the cover of it looks like someone on an acid trip. it's real <laughs> wild um just I, this
0: is actually a great uh-huh. let's sort of ta- hop in here real quick jesse how you your mother is a cookbook addict how many do you think
1: she has oh
0: 3,000? Okay. Th- that's just <laughs> amazing. So him saying this thing looks wild, it is, honestly, it's a super crazy cookbook, but what I love about it is just the way that it sort of, um, it approaches, I don't know, uh, what I would call, it's It's funny, this cookbook, it's a vegetarian cookbook, but so much of it is vegan. This whole thing is rooted in Seventh-day Adventist, uh, the religious side of Seventh-day Adventist um, eating, which is that they prescribe themselves things based on what it says in the Bible. So, for example, they these mostly stem from a lot of a lot of their eating stems from Levitic, the book of Leviticus. There's a so chapter like 11 verse 1 through 47 talks a lot about it, but it's really um I th- I think veganism and I don't know if this gets acknowledged a lot a lot of veganism owes its debt to or a lot of vegan cuisine owes its debt to things like Seventh-day Adventists. We have a a large background that's rooted in these religious traditions that maybe you know... Are Seventh-day
1: Adventists supposed to be vegan? No,
0: they're almost all vegetarian, but what's interesting about Seventh-day Adventists, as far as I understand, is that they actually don't prescribe anything. It is not technically a law, but rather it's based on the idea that you are supposed to take care of your body in a certain way because God gave you your body and you use that vessel as well as you can and you treat it as well as you can. So for the same reasons they abstain... Well, they abstain from alcohol <laughs> and drugs, and they don't do caffeine. Oh, no, and, like, they're, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but so here it says, let's see, a well-balanced vegetarian diet that avoids the consumption of meat coupled with the intake of legumes, whole grains, nuts, fruits, and vegetables, along with a source of vitamin B12 will promote vigorous, vigorous health. So um, this book, it's just, it's real wild because you'll be going through and, you know, it might say, like, you know, uh, here you'll use... Uh, it'll it'll like have a breakdown for like a certain recipe like a dessert and then in it it'll talk about um, maybe one of the ingredients will be honey and then in the middle of the recipe it will also tell you to like see it'll be like it'll reference a bible book in the middle of of like one of those recipes as like a reference point for how much honey to use or where to sort of put it in and I just I found that really fascinating I think it's a really interesting way to sort of interpret and lean into it but this thing has so much I mean honestly it's a very I feel like
1: it like from what I've seen of it, it looks like a pretty good book. It, I think it, it's so thorough. God, look at that baby foods. Oh it has man, a whole see, section for baby foods. That looks, that's a very,
0: such just such very, it's very strange pictures though. The whole thing There's, is um, done in a very interesting way. But I think, um, again, just as a cookbook, as a, like
1: a testament to a certain sort of, um, of, and that book's heavy. It's got some nice weight to it. You know, it, it does. It's a lot heavier than it looks. Like I bet you that book could take like an, a nice 357 round. <laughs> right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I love that we're now grading every cookbook on guns. We're thinking of like the caliber of the bullet. We're like, yeah, I don't know. Like I could see a 52 firing off. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, this is again just uh, an interesting thing. And I think
1: have you you said you've uh, have cooked from this book?
0: Uh, I I I have not because it just it's a lot of I don't know. I'm just not the healthiest. You just love it. Well, I I don't know. It's not it's not a lot of like herbs. It's a lot Uh, of I mean it's pretty like. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I don't know. They Again, it's just, it's very natural. It's not a lot of seasoned foods. It's just things in sort of their natural state and then combining them. But you will do things like, you know, pickle. And they talk about making pie crusts and, you know, how to do crepes and um, corn muffins. And you've got it all in here. How to bake bread. Um, but it's all, it just seems, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. No, I should. I'm, I'm sure I will at some point. But I just, the book as it stands, it's sort of a, a monument to where veganism came from and that's Mm -hmm. why i find it so fascinating uh all right jesse what's your next cookbook okay well um so you were talking about oh, it's about
1: Bestia, the right. cookbook Bestia. So
0: hold on, let's give everybody a little. People, not everyone knows Bestia. So Bestia is probably one of Los Angeles' most famous restaurants. Yeah, um, it's fairly new. So it was started in twenty. It's like six years old, I think. Yeah, it's not that uh-huh. old, but it's still. Um, uh, it's very popular. It's downtown, and um, you you said you worked there for a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. So talk. Yeah.
1: About how was that? Oh, it was great. It's. I think that Chef Ori, just one of the reasons why it's one of the best restaurants in LA is because he runs such a tight crew. The rest, the recipes are, are managed every day. There's tastings, Mm -hmm. there's quality control. Uh And there is not a lot of room for interpretation, you know, by each person, each person knows what their job is and knows what the dish is supposed to be like. Uh And I was there when he was, um, constructing this cookbook Uh And I got to sit in on God. on a lot of the. Isn't tastings. that incredible? Yeah. Oh, and, and his process was just—he has a work ethic that is rivaled by a few chefs. Uh-huh. He would get up every day and run like seven miles before he would start his 12, 15 fifteen-hour day at the uh-huh. restaurant, uh-huh. and and he was just so intent on being perfect,
2: uh-huh.
1: and the amount of the amount of research and just like tasting day and day and day after day well so give me an recipes. example on there
0: you you said you tasted some of those how like how was he working on this thing for six months a year
1: i mean how many how much like did you see him three iterate years maybe i'm not really sure but sure. he was definitely he was getting closer to wrapping it up i think like when i was there which was last year at some time i'm not really sure okay uh-huh. <laughs> like a year ago Oh uh-huh. uh, <laughs> i'm really bad with time frames in my life that's but, okay <laughs> but um You know, when I was there, I got to see him in action and going and tasting and just being like, you know, his incident is absolutely delicious and seemingly perfect and being like, we need to redo it. It's not perfect. Uh We need a little more. And then having him sit down with the crew, uh, his uh, sous chefs and chef de cuisines Uh and talking with them on what do you think and really getting them their opinion. And also I wouldn't think I really liked about him was how he drew out their opinion from them. He didn't a lot of people just go, Oh, it's really good chef. Like you, I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. You're so amazing. He's like, no, what do you think? Uh Like say something, you have Uh to say something. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that translates to his cookbooks that Mm -hmm. you're, that he has, like he gave you bestia in this book, Uh which is, you know, good luck trying to replicate it. Even so you, so. It's,
0: it's the real recipes is what you're saying.
1: Oh, I'm it's yeah. And I don't think that I could say the same for a lot of restaurant cookbooks. Sure. You know, um, but this one really, he, he's not leaving anything out.
0: So you had talked a little bit about sometimes recipes are a little bit harder <laughs> to make. And you were saying, I mean, you said bestia might be a little tough. Do you think that this is something that the average like chef
1: at home could make? Some things, maybe some of them, but you know, some things, um, definitely going to take a lot of skill. Mm -hmm. You know, he, um, dehydrates his own, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, ricottas Uh and he makes doughs and sauces that might take like he, there's a, a dish for his, um, tomahawk, um, pork chop Mm -hmm. that I would grill up and it was a pineapple sauce uh, I forget the, what he called it, but it was a, it was basically like a pineapple chutney and had mm-hmm. mustard seeds and mm-hmm. these delicious, very slightly spicy, sour, sweet, uh, pineapple, absolutely seasoned to perfection. Mm-hmm. And it would take like, I think like a week to make this. You would you would macerate the, the pineapple and sugar. Mm-hmm. And then every day he would, you would take liquid out and mm-hmm. cook it and then, and then pour it back over the pineapple and then do it again. And you'd have to do that over and over until the pineapple had that nice sheen, uh, preserved look and then it'd be ready. And like only Holy until cow. then was it ready. And like. And that was one of those things that, like, yeah, if you're doing that and huh. you mix in like some guy's dirty hand mixed in somehow, and like mm-hmm. too much bacteria gets in, then totally messes it up. And just everything uh, can rot. <laughs> but, I, I feel like that's
0: something that's a little tough, but it, it, food really is an act of love. And what you were yeah. saying is, I mean, can you imagine if like someone that you loved was coming to visit you and you literally thought, like, I'm gonna make them the most special meal. That sounds like something you'd do. You'd be like, every night for a week, I did a little bit of work to make this dish. <laughs> yeah, that's good. we're gonna have. I don't know. I just exactly. It sounds like an act of love. It sounds well, like that's this thing why is
1: best best year to me. Like before I worked there, I went there uh-huh. all the time. I spent tons of money there because I really felt like the food that you're getting uh-huh. was so special and uh-huh. and that was you. You, you weren't just going you weren't just getting food you were getting experience full uh-huh. blown and and I think that he shared that with you in this cookbook which is you know i like I said it's just something that i i witnessed him going through the process uh-huh. and um if my word means anything he did a really good job at giving you bestia in this book that's cool and the recipes and he also got a really nice variety of like of um for people that don't know Bestia, there's a lot of, he's meat forward bestia means beast mm-hmm. in Italian and but he has a lot of um, balancing uh, dishes mm-hmm. to those so vegetarian mm-hmm. and you know fr- a lot of freshness yeah. and delicious things but definitely meat forward uh-huh. yeah well his <laughs> other restaurant i'm sorry what's the other Bevelle.
2: Bevelle. yeah uh-huh.
0: that one is very uh, alex and i ate there and mm. they have a, they have a fair amount of vegan options yeah. yeah they have a lot of vegetarian but they have a fair amount of vegan they have some really interesting things yeah yeah did you try the mushroom skewer have you been to Bavel? i have been the, the, did you do the mushroom skewer thing i don't think i get the mushroom skewer it's crazy the best yeah.
1: thing I had—I remember the um, the shrimp. There's like these tamarind shrimp, uh-huh. and they're like sweet, sour, spicy, uh-huh. and they're huge and they're absolutely incredible, <laughs> and they're grilled. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next cookbook. So this is my next choice. So uh, this is Brooke Brooks Headley's Fancy Desserts, and um, this book is—I uh, think—I think is easily the most. No, I say that. I mean, I I guess I find all of my cookbooks interesting for their own reasons. But this is a cookbook that I would show to the most people. And I think the most people could find interesting. Um, So this, obviously, it's called Fancy Desserts. Whenever most people think of cookbooks, I, I would say, I mean, we do think of baking, but I don't. It's, this is not only baking. This is talking about making your own ice cream, gelatos. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many parts of this where I think whenever most people think of where are they going to devote their time, we all have, you know, limited amounts of time per day. So usually that's going to probably go into making your entree or an appetizer. Mm-hmm. So what I like about this cookbook generally is, um, so for those people who don't know, um, Brooks Headley, he won a James Beard Award. He worked at Del Posto in New York City and they... I think they still have a bunch of vegan options. I don't. I don't believe he still is the pastry chef there because I don't know if everybody knows this, but he is the head chef and owner of Superiority Burger, which is a really. It's a vegetarian burger place, which we've talked a little about. They in 2008, I think GQ named them the Burger of the Year, and this was their for their vegetarian slash vegan burger. It was a really big deal when it happened, mm, well. and um, I think it was one of the first times where people thought, "Oh, like they." GQ definitely did it as a, we're going to make a statement, but it is, it is a very good burger. But to be honest, it's not my favorite thing even there. I love a lot of their stuff. Uh, and I think what's cool about this in the same way of, have you ever like met a good friend and then someday you get to see photos of them in uh, as children and you sort of go like oh look at oh, and you like sort of get to see the makings of them as a yeah, young child like and you get to see but you, you but you know the adult version of them uh-huh. what's cool about seeing this cookbook is he made this before he had superiority burger uh-huh. and what's really interesting to see is i can read through these recipes and you can see that the way that he approaches things whether so like for example one of my favorite things in this cookbook is he tells a little bit of a story with a few of the items so for there's a there's a place where it says the aggravating origin of the beautiful sour apple sorbet and cashew gelada capatina, capatina, capatina. Capatina sounds right to me. Capatina. So, but he tells this story <laughs> of his this um this dry goods purveyor in New York City who would bring him things named Herman. And he he said that this guy one day just gave him I think it was what it, something like it was like 50, 50 pounds of cashews that he didn't order. He just gave them to him because this guy liked him, mm-hmm. and so he literally had them sitting around and he had nothing to do with them. And then another day the the they, I guess in Del Posto they used apricots for some meat dish and they took that meat dish off the menu. So they also had. 30 pounds of apricots and they're like, well, figure out something to do with them. So he did. He talked about cooking these cashews down and then like using those and he said talked about like blending those to make so yeah, the the sour apricot sorbet and a cashew gelato copatina. Anyway, mm. and it just I love those little recipes because you can really see a lot of that in like what they're doing. And the photos are so um, odd they talk about like burning things or cooking things it'll one of the photos is literally just um a lighter next to like a hairspray bottle you know what i mean and it's like if you need to cook something quickly it's a i mean it seems like a joke i don't know maybe he means it I better hope a joke. <laughs> but it's um it's totally like it's it's just real wild and the whole thing blow blowtorch would work well yeah that's yeah
1: there's actually a japanese guy that cooks with a blowtorch and he dips his hand in, it's a big blowtorch, it's not a little one he dips his hand in ice water to, and just uses his hand to to his a grill and a blowtorch so he, can, so he can cook super fast oh my god and he just uses his hand that he just he just has a big bowl of ice water right. Is like the most entertaining thing and he drinks and screams the whole time it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> wish i knew this guy's name drinks and screams and um, uses the blowtorch i'm sure if you googled japanese dude with blowtorch cooking with hand <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah sorry uh,
0: sidetrack so, side <laughs> well so yeah what's what's cool too and in the same way we were talking before about I said mm-hmm. 10 talents owes a lot of its debt to things like Seventh Day Adventists or parts of Judaism that are vegan uh, mm-hmm. and sex um, same thing with Brooks Headley I, I think a lot of veganism owes a massive debt to punk rock music which was the first to have I mean straight edge you know where a lot of people were straight edge and through that were vegan Brooks Headley was a, a, a massive Portion of the punk scene so is vegetarians. Punk rock, a lot, a lot of it comes from that. I, I would hmm. say punk rock is more vegetarian, but even even being vegetarian was. Man, I always thought punk rockers as just not even caring about any of that. <laughs> no, man. It's well, I mean, at least in the way that they talk about it, and what I've read, it just seems like um, I can see
1: they, vegan being punk rock for sure, dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they. So the whole thing, Against and it's the just grain, you can really you know? see the influence of meat. this, and it's definitely part of superiority burger now too. But it's interesting that even then, because he didn't of a restaurant when Mm -hmm. he made this you know what I mean he's just he's the pastry chef at Del Posto but he made a cookbook that a a lot of the recipes and stories are kind of like fuck you stories I don't know how to explain that any yeah. better other than like a lot of the things that he says and that it's he a talks lot of about I think
1: chef stories that go through restaurants is there's a lot of just like oh I did this and that and I learned this and fuck them because they weren't doing that and they're yeah, yeah it's like well, he's, whatever he's, he's sort of just
0: making the the best of his circumstance yeah. he's talking about like shitty restaurants that were open mm-hmm. nearby that inspired him or I don't know it's it's a really interesting cookbook and especially for someone who loves superiority burger so much yeah it's really fun to see it's kind of like you say you're favorite filmmaker makes a film but you you if you watch the first you know few films they make it you sort of get to see how that informs the final thing that they made yeah and this feels the same Who way not came from i mean yeah not that every recipe in here isn't good them. but it's not i mean it's a lot of the stuff in here is vegetarian and or not but there are many vegan things in here too mm-hmm. and i think that that's what's really cool about it it's just it's it's all it of those worlds like, too, interacting
1: that, that the the, the pictures in oh it's are very
0: nice beautiful <laughs> yeah it's um, so cool. It's it's really got an interesting aesthetic. In the same way that does we were he just tell talking you about.
1: how to make those nice, perfect, smooth ice cream balls, quenelles. Huh. Does or he, maybe tell he you does. how to do it? I didn't it? see that. Oh, you don't? Know? I don't know. Well, you get a you use a hot spoon. Weird. Uh huh. Noted. Make it nice and smooth like an like egg. <laughs> All
0: right, Jesse. Can you tell us about your next cookbook, please? All right. Well, my
1: next cookbook is going to be. Oops, <laughs> dropping cookbook. <laughs> it's Japanese home cooking uh-huh. Simple meals, authentic flavors So this I, is a new cookbook Sunoko Sakai, yes uh-huh. So Sunoko Sakai is a chef in Highland Park mm-hmm. A neighbor And I've done two classes with her mm-hmm. And she was a buyer for the movie industry mm-hmm. And her job was to find quality, you know and she's translated that mentality to her cooking, and she's spent I think the last several years. Um, and even when I was doing the, the first, I made it, I did a ramen class with her, and I did mm. a. Um, let's see what did I do? Ramen and I think miso made miso.
0: That's and awesome. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so are things a uh, ramen and miso in that cookbook? They are. Aren't oh they? yeah, it's all in yeah. this. And so her this cookbook is. For one thing, because she's just amazing at sourcing, she's sort like she mostly local source, Mm -hmm. and she talks about like where you can get like these really good ingredients, like like really good quality buckwheat flour, and Uh you know for making soba noodles, Mm -hmm. and where you can get good quality Japanese fish, Mm -hmm. and also if you can't if you can't get it locally, where to just get a good sustainable source because she's all about sustainability, people who are doing it right, Mm -hmm. and um and going to those people, going to people who. Uh, I forget the lady, oh man, but there's a lady that that has a rice farm here in in Southern California and does like really good quality rice and she works with this lady and she just works with all the right people and the information's in her book Uh and she cooks with lots of legumes and just really healthy foods. Uh But um, Well, it's beautifully put together. So when I peeked through it, (laughs) I hadn't seen this before
0: and it's just filled with a lot of what I would just say look like simple, well-prepared ingredients. I mean, in the same way people think Mm -hmm. of like sushi, it's like the combination of just a few things can really be magical. Yeah. And it seems like that's in there.
1: Oh, it it is. And so if you're a cook that wants to, you know, maybe you want to do things that take some time, like make a miso or a soy sauce or, you know, like some, some cured pickles, things Mm -hmm. like that, that take a little more time. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you want to have a nice refinement Japanese aesthetic. This book's this book's it. This book has such great at home recipes, mm-hmm. and um, the in products that she shows are very well put together and very much as like this could be in a restaurant, but also this could just be at my house too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. which I think has that very nice line of refinement as mm-hmm. well as easy to do at your house, and also really good instructions because she works with with uh, chefs, but also um, just. You know, home cooks. It's all about home cooking, so right. it's just a great cookbook for awesome knowledge in Japanese cuisine and someone who really cares about where the food's coming from, as far as, uh, and you know, where the food's coming from, as far and as well as the quality of it. You know, in flavor everything
0: i think it's really incredible and i i do think there's something really in the same way you chose bestia for a place that you had worked and um you chose her cookbook for someone you have taken recipes with i love that there's almost a way of like it's like you're doing quality check on them before you buy the cookbook you literally go like i know i already like how you think about food which Mm. i don't think i don't know if everybody always gets that experience but it's it's real cool to i mean it's a buying a cookbook is one thing but to be able to go to the restaurant and have their food and then be able to buy the cookbook. It really, um, it really brings a a new meaning to that cookbook. At least for me, that's been my experience and you (laughs) got to get even closer to it. And I think, you know, sometimes you get to take, you know, lessons from a chef and, and then you get to buy their cookbook and it really does. You go like, Oh, I see sort of how they think about
1: things or you feel a greater connection to that. Mm -hmm. And that's incredible. You get to see their, like how their brain works as an artist, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I am like this book just came out. I haven't even fully gotten into it. And I'm very much looking forward to doing a but lot of things really out of well this done. book. Well, so I even love I, like, I think this is going to be one of those books for me that I spend some time with, uh-huh. you know, and I am i don't just read it, but I'm going to be cooking a lot of things out of this book. Right. I, I loved
0: that. Like, it seemed like there were some like so, such deep dives. I mean, there was one section mm-hmm. in that there that was just about seaweeds. And I think like yeah. if you're using food, seaweed is such an incredible place to get a really rich, flavorful piece. And it's such a simple thing. You're you can add it to broths. You know what I mean. It can it can be part of. It, it can be blended into things. Um, oh yeah, it oh, has this amazing
1: made. flavor. Yeah, yeah. Oh nori. Well, yeah. This is just one of those cookbooks, Japanese home cooking, that has just got wonderful knowledge in it. You're gonna have to report <laughs> back to us on that. It'd be interesting yeah. if you go deep on that. We could talk a little. Oh, more. I am. I'm gonna be definitely doing like the misos and the longer preserved things out of this because. Mm-hmm. I've already had some of her products. I know that what she's making is going to be really good and you don't have the right information and I'm not going to be making anything going bad. The last thing I want to do is like spend the time making a miso and it like rots from the inside out. No good.
0: <laughs> yeah, no good. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and my fifth choice is, it's a it's a cookbook that's almost not a cookbook it's like half half or even like it's like one fourth a cookbook so uh this is scott jurek's eat and run which is i think by most standards a memoir it's a uh, scott jurek for those who don't know is a, a vegan ultra marathoner so um if you run a marathon 26.4 miles if you run an ultra marathon I i'm pretty sure that I think the constraints are, I think it's over like 50 or 60 miles, but he does ones that are 100 miles. He does ones that are 300 miles. Now, when I say this, I, I mean he does 300 miles without stopping. So this is for multiple days in a row of running.
1: I've heard about these people. They start hallucinating on That's the trail. Right. That's the third exactly day.
0: right. Yeah, straight up. So, <laughs> so Scott Jurek was, um, I had just gone vegan and my dad bought me this book and I don't even know where he heard of it, but he sent it to me and I, he didn't tell me he was going to send it. And I was like, what is What is this thing? Eat and mm-hmm. run. And I got into it and I started reading it. But within what I love about this this book, which is not a cookbook, but is sort of a cookbook is he ends every chapter of the book with a recipe and for those who don't know he so in the book he talks about at one point he was a raw vegan but he stopped being a raw vegan because it you have to chew more. I don't know if part of the reason why we use fire is because it's easier to digest and process the food. And if you have to chew, it means your jaw is tired and that's expending more energy, which while he's running, if he's running for three days in a row, he can't waste energy just chewing. So anyway, he changed wow. his methods up um, within here. One of my favorite recipes is the Western States trail cheese Spread, which he talks about spreading on just Ezekiel bread. He would just mm-hmm. like do that and then eat that. Um, it's really incredible. But it's like a I don't know. It's uh It's a great thing to do, but there's so many. um, It's only
1: a really cool cookbook. I like cookbooks that have
0: stories that lead into recipes. I I know everybody. So online people are people are get upset they're like Mm -hmm. i don't want to hear about da 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 or i i get it like if you're watching a youtube video and you want to know how to bake a cake you don't want to hear why the person loves cakes but in a cookbook you do
1: well the thing is is that i think that you got to get away from just the cake you got to me the the romantic side of food is Mm -hmm. where it's all at let's get romantic because yeah when you go there in the mind when Uh you like when you can take yourself to that place Uh and see yourself in a very you know, romantic way, eating the food and right. living the lifestyle. And, uh-huh. you know, for me, that kind of like imagination just makes me so happy. And uh-huh. I love it. And in cookbooks that that do that for me, like Moro, you know, that was mm-hmm. more was more of that for me than anything else. It right. was this like this almost egotistical thing of what I wanted to be like, oh, yes, traveling and eating these like dips with little bits of fish and wonderful breads and drizzled olive oil, like out in the countryside of like. Eastern Europe or right. down by the ocean, Right and I think when you go there, when when books can do that for you, mm-hmm. you take something more than the recipe. Mm-hmm. You great, you get a you get a, a style, and mm-hmm. when you get a style, that's true. that is because that is what it's all about. When you learn the style of something, mm-hmm. that's when you can start to really play because right. oh, I know the style
0: of Spanish food. Oh, right, I need something you with know. a kick here. I want some flavor there. It's got to have a oh of-
1: Spanish, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Spanish wouldn't do that, like uh-huh. you know, or oh, they would totally do that, uh-huh. you know, right. And there's there, definitely like cooking in a lot of ways is just style. Well, it's you know?
0: interesting you say because <laughs> you said lifestyle, and when I read this book, this was uh, there's a new film out called Game Changers, and it's all about vegan sort of super athletes. And Scott mm-hmm. Jurek is actually in the film. I don't want to do any spoilers for what they're doing or what he's doing, but this book when I read it was kind of the first thing where I thought, oh, I can like I can still. I mean, I was I'm a I I, I really enjoyed doing you know, athletic pursuits. I like running. I like doing sports, all of that. And whenever I read this, I just thought like, Oh, okay. I can still like, I'm not going to have a problem. He's running 300 miles doing this. Like it's not going to be an issue. (laughs) And I think before that I didn't, I mean, it's not that I thought I would be weak, but it was one of those things where I read this and it was at the time it was really my version of game changers, which Mm -hmm. didn't exist. I mean, it's a film that came out, you know, 12 years later, nine years later or something. It's like this, this for me was like, Oh,
1: I'm going to be fine. Great. Yeah Cool, moving on I yeah. love that You know that book Really makes you think about And I wasn't going to talk about it Because I brought six books mm-hmm. But this other book I brought uh, Cuisine of the Cuisine of the Water Gods uh-huh.
0: Well hold on Let's uh, let's take a quick break Because oh, I've got okay. a few Honorable mentions too And we will oh, okay. talk about it When we come right back
2: I'm here to talk to you About MeUndies MeUndies are a delicacy Around my house My dog eats them Because I got that good good
0: this podcast is brought to you by Inopportune barking and we're back so jesse let's talk about a few of our sort of honorable mentions they didn't make our five but a few things that we wanted to give shout outs to you brought one in particular that didn't make the list but almost made the list it was close
1: yeah it was um cuisine of the water gods okay by patricia quintana and I've taken this book with me like almost everywhere I've gone. <laughs> I've been taken to New York, Mexico. I think it didn't go to Japan, but went around and I love this book for the stories that are in it, these little quips. And I go through and this little look look at some of the recipes for some ideas and, and it talks about it's it's a Mexican food. Uh-huh. And I love Mexico and I love imagining I'm in Mexico yeah. and one of the things that really made me love this cookbook was I was looking at a recipe and it says to go down to the ocean and get two cups of seawater for this uh-huh. and That like at the time really opened my I was like what yeah I'm like in LA like I'm gonna Santa Monica and get seawater you gotta be out of your mind and you know and I never thought about seawater as being something you'd ever like put into a soup uh-huh. You know, and that at that moment was when I was just like, wow, if I lived in a place where I could use the seawater, imagine how amazing that's like seafood soup would taste uh-huh. with actual seawater. It's true. I mean, you n- a know? natural ingredient one with the other. Oh, it'd be wonderful. So that kind of, um, you know, mentality is like, I think, in this cookbook of like gathering from your garden, going out in the wild, like uh-huh. where you're from. And this is before the local movement in LA You know like, I don't know when This looks like it's from the 70s honestly uh-huh. But it has you know Good simple Mexican restaurants It talks about Oaxaca The istmos, uh-huh. And which is like the peninsula area mm-hmm. Which uses a lot of like fruit And, um, and uh, jungle fruits And lime juice And habanero mm. Fish It's probably the more The more brighter side of the Mexican cuisine It's cool And it's just You know I don't know like if every recipe is just amazing, but Mm. I think for our overall, this book is really cool and it's got a great name. (laughs) Uh, It does. Yeah. It's really sweet. Um, Okay. Well, yeah. let's uh
0: let's see. So a few of the ones that I thought uh, that are at least <laughs> worth mentioning. So there are a few, if you're in the vegan realm and you're trying to figure out where to go, that I think are worth talking about. So you took cooking classes and so did I. I started out with Spork Foods and they have two. There's one that's called Spork Fed and Vegan 101, which is a great mm. place to start whenever you're really trying to figure out just... You, a new way into the world you want in and you need some basic recipes that are really really solid and really nice um there are versions of that from people like thug kitchen also um also isa chandra Moskowitz. she uh, she has a restaurant in new york city but she was one of the earliest like vegan makers that are sort of in the modern sort of cycle of things now in sort of the old school vegan realm there's a cookbook called the Moosewood cookbook. So this is Molly Katzen. This is the other thing I was talking earlier about plenty um, with Langi. This one is sort of the earlier equivalent of that. This thing has sold 4 million copies and it's the most popular vegetarian cookbook. But I also, what I love about it is it's, um, it's the crystallization of a whole sort of part it's i think they lived in ithaca new york but it was like a community of people and this was one of the first it was an early vegetarian restaurant Mm -hmm. and this is this cookbook for this restaurant and i think that there's something really cool about you know this idea of galvanizing people pulling everyone together and this was that thing it was a seminal piece that pulled it together spark you know a little
1: fire it's gonna grow but in the
0: same way otto Lange's thing was interesting because he is not a vegetarian Either, I just found this out, Molly Katzen is not either, mm-hmm. which I think is so funny that the most popular vegetarian cookbooks that are out there made by people who eat meat.
1: I believe it, man. I think I can make better vegetarian food than a lot of the vegetarianos <laughs> I've been to. True. Yeah. And, but, um, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's strange that I feel like a lot of conversations are, are that like, like Oh, you know, it's a vegetarian. Isn't like meat, like meat, you know, that these mm-hmm. are different. Right. And it's like that needs to change because Mm -hmm. like just like I prefer eating mostly vegetarian most of the time Uh because it feels better. Mm -hmm. Eating tons of meat, like eating meat every day, Mm -hmm. I just want to sleep. A little tough. Yeah. Um, And then there were a couple, there were two websites.
0: These are not. Places this is these are not books that I they do have cookbooks. I just I actually have not seen them yet. Uh but Minimalist Baker and Oshi Glows are great mm-hmm. references if you're a vegan online looking for places to go. So that's Minimalist Baker, which is actually no longer vegan. It was sort of controversial when it happened. And then um Oshi Glows. But a lot of their recipes are vegan. So you should check them out. They're really
1: interesting. Uh you has a really good book that I just thought of, which is I'm pretty sure it's mostly vegan, if not all vegan, but definitely all live food. Uh It's called force foods. Uh And I think it's written by a doctor, if I'm not sure, but my mom started doing it um, because she had just was cleansing, cleansing out, Uh you know, wanting to get healthy and all Uh this. And, and it has some really awesome, like blended soups. Uh And she first got this book and started making these like raw soups Uh uncooked. And, Uh And, um, I remember the first time she made one that I tried, it was, it had like bell pepper and miso and some soy sauce and nuts. And it had like 13, 14 ingredients or something, a lot of ingredients. Huh. And she blew it up and like, and I'm like, that thing looks weird. I'm just, uh. <laughs> you know, another health food drink that's going to taste horrible. Sure. And it was absolutely delicious. And then you first try it because it's so savory from the miso. huh you it's unexpected. You don't expect this like really savory balanced dish. You expect something that's imbalanced and gross. So like, it takes you off guard and the reverse like, Oh, and then you sit and you're like, wow, that's fucking good. And, um, but it has the most like delicious and raw soups I've ever had. Huh. And balanced really great recipes. I'm going to have to you try know? it. Forced foods. Yeah. Forest. Forced, force, like, like F O
0: R C E D, yeah. Forced foods or with a D at the end? Uh, no, I think it's just
1: force. I force. might have said forced, but okay, great. Forced down <laughs> your throat. No, <laughs> <laughs> my, my ears seem to be clogged. Okay. Uh, well, adding adding letters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, everybody. That is our uh, little segment on cookbooks. We are going to be back shortly to talk with uh, Alex here. She's going to be joining Jesse and I, and we're going to talk about what it means to do. I don't know, the discussion between what it is to call something vegan and plant based and sort of what's happened in the world with that. So we will be right back.
2: This podcast is proudly brought to you by pants. You gotta wear them. I mean, sometimes.
0: <coughs> Topo for burping. This podcast is proudly brought to you by coasters. They're cool, don't leave rings. now jesse and i are back and we are sitting here today with alex erit hi hi how you doing I'm, hey. doing, I'm
2: doing well. Thank you. It's a beautiful day. Thank out. you for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to have you here. But no, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you for having me. <laughs> mm-hmm. we're all having thankful. you for dinner. Well, Right, for Thanksgiving. We're all thankful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's okay. be honest. Yeah. We're, the bacon. dogs host yeah. this
2: but, event but at it's, all times. That's
0: true. So Alex <laughs> and I are sitting here holding dogs. We have two dachshunds in our arms, but we are going to be talking about, let's get into it, plant-based versus vegan. So right now it seems like there's something happening in the world where people are... language is shifting and it always is you know what I mean it's an amorphous thing it's constantly shifting what its meanings are we do have ideas for it um but I wanted to talk a little bit about that language so um Alex you are for the most part I mean you you're vegan yeah do you call do you call yourself vegan yes I do you do yeah Yeah. and I I do you
2: I mean, I'm fully vegan in terms of uh, dietary restrictions.
0: Do when you're talking to people, do you ever not say vegan? Do you ever say I am plant based?
2: No, but I, I like the appeal there's like a softness to the word plant-based
0: yeah yeah it does feel less pointed and i think like i mean jesse do you have the same experience whenever you go into a place i mean i don't know when well, you I, when you met me i'm sure i said <laughs> i was vegan did you go like ah, oh, this dude like i don't know do you have any? no i have
1: tolerance for it i i think it's a choice i think vegan eating you know i think it's it's a good direction you know i think it's healthy uh-huh. so um it's not the same if i was like cooking as a line cook and uh-huh. i got you know <laughs> like a pizza, pepperoni pizza and it's like vegan. I'm like, dude, the the whole thing's got butter and cheese. Uh, (laughs) Right. Yeah, true. Well, I I will say sort of in the
0: discussion that at its most basic, what I like about plant-based is it sounds Mm health-oriented. Now, what's odd is I don't actually think uh, v- vegan food is uh, means eschewing animal products, but I feel like veganism is most generally sort of related to animal welfare. It's not necessarily advocating for health. Whereas I feel like most people who turn to plant based as an idea often do it with the focus of health focused but what's odd is i'd say impossible or uh, like impossible foods or the beyond mm-hmm. uh, beyond foods uh, beyond burgers all of those what's interesting is i feel like that's where you actually see plant-based most often even though those products are vegan and it, it's weird because in my work in my head if you see the word plant plant is just inherently a, a healthier focus you know what i mean it's got in the word the idea of plant and i find that Mm -hmm. It's interesting that the nomenclature is sort of moving that way, that it's shifting to sort of represent something that I feel like maybe isn't isn't necessarily focused on it. Cause sometimes I don't know if your experience, but when you tell people you're vegan people, people either assume one of two things. They either assume, wow, this person is crazy healthy or they think, yeah, where do you get your protein? You've got (laughs) iron deficiencies like everything.
1: Yeah. You know, you know what? um, The first thing I'll think of and I think I can be pretty safe most of the time, especially in LA. If you say you're vegan, mm-hmm. you're definitely a Democrat. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's so much
2: like, oh, wow. I don't. I don't think people assume that automatically. I'm healthier. Uh-huh. I think actually they think probably I'm. I'm that kind of person that's it's like liberal, <laughs> and maybe like a little bit holier than now. It's like, oh, I'm vegan, but I actually yeah. kind of refrain from saying I vegan. Know, I know. There's something about the word. I don't know where
0: it's charged, and that's why plant-based has been cool. Is because yeah. It's because it's it's sort of an escape valve. It's a little bit of a parachute out of a you know a plane. That's I don't know. It's just
2: it's not really a pleasant word though. There's something about V and G. It opens
1: up
0: like oh, well, it's a, like, like, hard vegan. Vowels, you know? like up vagina. A you know what I mean? They're just like not. They're they're
2: like jarring in a way. Well,
0: so I want to talk a little bit about the history. So I check like this that. out. We don't know who came up with the word vegetarian. But we do know who came up with the word vegan. So I was looking this up. Check this out. Donald Watson, founder of the Vegan Society. Now check this out. It says coined the term vegan in 1944 as a statement against vegetarians who ate dairy products. But this is where it gets interesting and is a constant part of life. It's who your partners are, the spouses, all of those things. Check this out. The actual person who came up with the word, though, was his wife, Dorothy. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So oh, yeah, nice. Dorothy
1: Watson came up with the word hmm. vegan. So And that didn't exist before 1944. You it's know interesting. I remember reading and this could be an hallucination, but I do remember reading <laughs> a, long, <laughs> a long time ago that the word vegetarian, the word is like basically vegantarian. And tarian if, you huh. know, hmm. is um is someone that is an advocate of something. Huh. So the word vegetarian in essence of the the true origin of the word means a person who advocates for eating vegan. Huh which is uh, strange because now vegan right. is the vegetarian and right. vegetarian eats fucking well, eggs. Right. And it gets really confusing. Uh-huh. And that's just, we're talking about how words change and well, derive new meanings. Well, the and- earliest
0: version of vegetarian actually didn't eat any animal products, products at all. Right. There was no milk. There were no eggs, which is why when you travel, depending on where you go, often they don't have a word for vegan because their word for vegetarian actually means vegan. So right. there's like a weird, exactly, it's like the word is it's one just thing, but it means another. in
1: a way it's, mm-hmm. And I think that because it's, it has gone two directions that it has developed two names. But vegetarian, for the most part, to me, it's like, no, dude, if you're eating animal products, you're not really a vegetarian. But but in LA, it's considered, like, oh, no, we're vegetarian. We can eat like they've deemed all the things that they can, you know, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Wait, so, <laughs> so
2: prior to the word which Dorothy Watson came up with, uh-huh. if you... If you didn't eat dairy products or eggs or anything Mm -hmm. that we... understand as vegan today, you were just classified as a vegetarian?
0: Right, so vegetarians started out with issuing all animal products. They would not consume anything with an animal, but at a certain point, they started bringing in eggs, and they started bringing oh, in I milk see. and cheese. So and that's and where so, you get octo- and, and that's why they came up with the new word of vegan like to separate themselves right that, Right, yeah. exactly. Oh, um, which okay. is interesting. I think it's interesting that that's happening in London because London has um, really been a big place for veganism recently. In the last, like, ten mm-hmm. years, it's really hmm. seen a risk what Surgeon? You
1: said earlier that a vegetarian is now greatly for animal welfare. welfare. Uh-huh. So it's now even getting away from it being about what you eat, but uh-huh. just it being, it's also about how your political views Right, right. It's, yeah, it's charged it's a moral in a way. Yeah. Choice. It, it's, I mean, it's becoming more and more. Um, like that especially here in la you Well, know. i mean we were talking about like earlier i was talking about the seventh day adventists and i
0: was saying that we owe a certain debt to them but in a weird way i think a lot of um the dedication from certain vegans and the way that on online we can be i think a lot of people there's an aggressive nature to a lot of veganism mm-hmm. and i think that that can be off-putting in a way that you know they're sort of zealots they're advocating they're out um they're they're out sort of Trying to, they're trying to to share the well. They're trying to share the good news (laughs) in the same way that many Christians would. You know what I mean? They are evangelical, but for vegan ideas about animals or the things that they've learned about, and that's why I think, in the same way, a lot of people have like a knee jerk response to someone trying to kind of pitch them religion. Um, In the same way, I think eating
1: can feel the same. Well, I think too that a lot of people that are are meat eaters and fast food eaters, they feel um, a certain kind of like, uh, you know. they're they're uncomfortable vegetarians because you know they get this vegetarian coming in they don't eat any of the food they Mm -hmm. eat they're telling them that they're eating unhealthy they're super thin they look really great Mm -hmm. and they can like (laughs) and you know it's like and they're like you know the, the other guy's fat overweight you know has a it's, you know, so they feel threatened, yeah. you know? Well,
0: I, I mean, anything <laughs> that's new is inherently no. threatening. If somebody comes yeah. in and starts talking to me about stuff that I'm unfamiliar with or I don't want to know about, it's like.
2: Uh, well, it's also a matter of just making people feel bad. True. You know, people, well, yeah. not necessarily, like, not, you not, not mean intentionally. to. Yeah. Right, right. But the discussion can feel incisive or, or vegan
1: Like it's you're like, pointing like, a scalpel at them and it's there like, there like, is yeah. one thing that, like, I do. Um, I think a lot of people. Have come across this of of like the know it all like vegan right. who's like oh my god like don't give is that heirloom right. vegetable and <laughs> yeah. like you know it's like if you you know like you should be have that if you want your kids to eat it right. and they're questioning everything you got or something like that. We've right. all come across this. I think, especially if you live in LA, you've come across it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I
2: mean, every time you have. I mean, yeah, I can only speak from my experience, but mm-hmm. like having dinner with my family. Oh, automatically, right. like that, my parents' generation just doesn't get it. They're right. like, Why are you willingly not eating this food <laughs> yeah. at the dinner table? Yeah. Eat like, it. just, yeah, just <laughs> come on, take a bite. It won't yeah. hurt you, yeah. you know?
0: It's the My Big Fat Greek Wedding where they're like, Oh, she's vegetarian. And then it's like, That's
1: great. I made mm. lamb. Yeah,
2: it's just like. <laughs> Yeah. It's,
1: you know, very similar. It's like if you have a bunch of friends that you drank with and then you stop drinking with them. Right. They're they're much less interesting, right? Drink this. Uh They'll be mad at you. They'll be like, why aren't you doing this? Well, and I think a lot of people, (laughs)
0: as far as making changes to their diet, are afraid of you know, doing things like that too, because mm-hmm. you, you're you nervous about being disconnected. And I do, I think for vegans and vegetarians, now when I meet people, I often say like, if you're getting into this, if you're interested, just don't don't be mad at yourself about anything. Like if you, <coughs> aren- hey oh, <laughs> we, uh, we have you know, someone outside why? and the dogs are um our security system. Um, but we, what'll happen is, you know, I, I always tell them, you know, it, it's great if you want to be vegan and vegetarian and wherever you can be doing that, that's great. Um, but if you're nervous about, you know, alienating your grandma or her being upset with you because you know she you're not eating her apple pie anymore it's like then just eat it if that's something that's really important to you it's not a big deal you can you can not be perfect every meal um, right and it, it's i mean the, the hope is that you can get towards that but i think that that's really fascinating because right now we're moving in this direction where language is um The way it's part of our culture is becoming more and more interesting. And the the same way we discuss fake news, we're constantly trying to reframe things. So Mm -hmm. um, if if you're thinking about language, there are sort of two ways they make dictionaries. I don't know if you all have heard of this, but there's prescriptivism and there is descriptivism. And there's essentially a massive rift in the way that people think of how we document language. And prescriptivists are sort of the old school snooty ivy educated sort of white guys who sort of say (laughs) that this there is only one way to say something properly and there is only one way to use a word properly and then there is the inverse where descriptivists believe that is an idea that if you are a native speaker of a language that you can never say something incorrectly so so long as you're in the same way if you're if i use language mm. and i'm conveying an idea to you and you understand that idea however i said it and whatever words i used th- that is a shifting sort of burden of language and that is that it will have inherently many meanings and that as it moves through time so what happens is in a descriptivist dictionary you used to, the word ain't used to not be a word, right? But over time because more people are right? Exactly it actually is, right? It's in every dictionary because it was used so much that 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 word became real at least or recognized as real Hmm. and in the same way I think we're sort of going through that where now we're getting these companies, um, the big beef is fighting back against all of these new vegan and vegetarian burgers that say that they are, you know, uh, plant-based plant-based beef, right? And they'll say you can't say you're plant-based beef. This is confusing. And we even talked before where yeah. you said you bought sausages, vegan sausages and vegan cheese and you didn't realize that either of those were vegan. Yeah. So it is it does mm-hmm. speak that we that do. That was my
1: fault, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. You know, the next thing would be, oh, you can't shape your vegan not beef into a patty shape because that's confusing well what's interesting at what point does it not be confusing anymore (laughs) well
0: i will say it is
1: i am excited
0: to see how the language clarifies itself Mm -hmm. because i do i do think like we said we're there's so many new vegan products coming out every year new new things that are replacing old things and we're trying to figure out how to navigate that and um I think as we're sort of talking about that, it's like what's interesting is how many parts of our language come from things that are not necessarily true. So I was reading this story. Um, So Michaela Grobe is a chef in Brooklyn and she has a vegan cheese shop called Riverdale and on it she has this sign on the wall. Um, that for people who come by that it's it's the definition for the word cheese. And she's talking about its Indo-European root, um, which says it was just meant to ferment slash become si- uh, sour. So it says cheese, quote unquote, from Latin, the word cassius c-a-e-s-e-u-s and then it says cassius derived from the proto-indo-european word quat k-w-a-t which means to ferment and to become sour which means that if you call something cheese all we're really talking about is something that has fermented and become sour which means that every vegan cheese isn't just as much a cheese as a cheese that you would find in a store made from cow milk because it's it is
1: kombucha
0: kombucha right a cheese yeah, like <laughs> if you, i mean if you would reduce it enough i think it would be what i think it's a pickle it's a great question but a cucumber but again it says <laughs> to ferment and to become sour so see, at its, its most basic right it, it depends if we're being like this is from its root but again we, we're talking about a living language it's constantly right. shifting how mm-hmm. what do we think of cheeses what are cheeses
1: well see what we're really getting into is not I think the confusion of of people. It's the confusion of people who are trying to sue each other, you know. Because <laughs> there's the only people that are really true. concerned with this shit. Well, it's interesting. Even
0: yeah. as you're saying this, the ACLU is the is defending these <laughs> vegan companies, saying they're allowed to label this so because long as this is what's making
1: mm-hmm. it confusing. Because right. the, the, you slap vegan before any sentence, you can mm-hmm. just assume everything below it's a lie. You know, uh-huh. it's not beef. Uh-huh. It's not a chicken wing. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and um that's an easy concept for anyone to understand. You start like having to like, this is like tempeh laid, like smooth out uh, meat substitute. Uh-huh. How are you supposed to know that that's supposed to be used as a BLT? Right, exactly. You know, like, it's how so are you funny. Supposed to, Alex how I are you supposed I had that to, conversation yeah, before. Like, yeah. Like how right. is a person supposed to be like, Oh, you know, this like, is a replacement for something yeah, that is bacon ass. It because something. it's, I mean, or it's use smoked it in a dish. Tempeh, because
0: right? Exactly. People don't know how yeah. to use a lot of this it's vegan time. replacement mm-hmm. stuff. And right. if it's like, well, because tempeh is a foreign cheese. word. I mean, the, before right. you've ever had tempeh, you don't walk across and go, I'm going to just try this brand new product on this store. It's like, people don't do that. People mm-hmm. buy things they're familiar with and slowly work in new items after experiencing them somewhere else.
1: Like, imagine this you mm-hmm. walk into a store and instead of it saying vegan cashew cheese mm-hmm. or just cashew cheese, it says, Vegan, sour fermented brick
2: <laughs> like what do you it doesn't
1: sound like as appetizing i mean just, i don't know would you, you, don't you even eat know brick know what to do with it <laughs> well
2: but, there's there are words like imitation like imitation cheese or mm-hmm. f- even fake meat you like couldn't fake say cheese, cheese. Yeah. then you really wouldn't know what oh, to do with that exactly. product exactly right well it's that's like yeah. you have this mm-hmm. thing,
1: like, and then you'd have to be left to your own chef devices right. you know
2: but then again it, it's you it's used and and consumed like a cheese you put it but on a cracker, the, but, but
1: people know it because it's because the it says people cheese. People know that because it says cheese. If right? If it was just like a like cashew fermented cashew block, uh-huh. I guess it'd be like, called right. But if you had you know, or paste I mean it's true. or crumble, yeah. no, it's, it's very you know, interesting. And then, but by it being cheese, you're like, oh, I could use this in mac. I could use this in a Caesar salad. I could put this on crackers. But I if could. it
2: looks like.
1: But you wouldn't (laughs) know You would have to be told Because it's like Mm. Yeah you might get the idea But Unless you're um, Unless you're like Trained with To 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 think of what to do With these things Mm -hmm. You know Like People have hard enough time Figuring out what to do With cheese Just On it's own own. You know They're like Ah How do you make a grilled cheese And it's like They can't make a grilled cheese To save life The bread burns Before the cheese melts Uh You know (laughs) Right They don't figure Mm -hmm. out To stick it in the oven Mm -hmm. But anyways Yeah so yeah, I think that like this was making it confusing is the the corporations that are like being like this is confusing. Right. We got to come up with all these like new super long new names for stuff. Well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really
0: uh, the their objections have not held up so far. They have lost in every court battle, but they I think <laughs> I think the battles will still go on because I think it's a it is a um I don't do you know do you all keep up with like trademark or copyright? So essentially, if um like so for example, the DJ uh, Dead Mouse, I think is how you say his name, mm-hmm. but he's the guy who he has the thing with the big ears, yeah. and Disney sues him every chance they get because if they don't to keep a trademark and or copyright of a design, you have to protect it. If you don't protect it in any capacity, you often start to lose the ability to protect it later on. So that's Mm -hmm. why they may go squatters rights, right? They may not say, you know, dead mouse actually looks like he's Mickey mouse, but they're literally saying that shape that he's doing. We have to protect in theory because Mm -hmm. it is important for so many other assets of our business. What, what is really happening with big meat here is they're literally just trying to stifle growth. You know what I mean? Or big cheese or yada, yada yeah all of those industries uh, right exactly they think that anything that they can do to sort of throw a a wrench in the works they should and i don't i mean if i if i ran this business exactly right Uh, you know everybody's doing this you're trying to protect your work and your business because you want to survive and well it's already happening i mean a lot of
2: dairy farms are closing closing. the the
0: biggest one in america just went bankrupt or this yeah no the biggest in america yeah yeah or
2: going bankrupt rather that's right
1: yeah Means better milk
0: available. Well, it does make <laughs> me wonder though if so we've got vegan, we've got plant-based for the people who are maybe making it a little less like political. I feel like Mm -hmm. people who are sort of flexitarians are more like plant-based interested. They aren't seeking out. So plant-based is
1: now the non-political version. I I think so. I think it's a, well, I also think it's a way for
0: people to say, um, I think it's a way for people to say I'm interested in plant-based eating, but they may not be vegan. And the same, we were talking about Ottolenghi or the Moosewood. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, we were talking about that cookbook where both of those chefs were vegan. Um, Right. It, it, or not vegan. Sorry, they are. They were carnivores who happened to make vegetarian cookbooks that are the most famous cookbooks we've ever made. It's mm-hmm. it is an interesting thing, and I think we just we're all participating in this. But I think if people say they're searching out vegan food, it means that they're. I don't know. You're starting to identify. I don't know. We uh, they always talk about identity politics, and I feel like that's part of that, and it's a way to exist softer within this realm.
2: Well, plant ba- Plant based. Uh-huh. The term is definitely. It's, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's politicized in any way yet. Yeah. It's definitely mo- neutral yeah. in terms of vegan.
0: Well,
1: it helps a lot know? of people out because I think a lot of people, they go, oh. It's yeah. like
2: the moderate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you Truly. know, like somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, you I honestly don't know how conducive this is to make the, like eating veg- vegetarian such a political and worldly statement. I think making like one thing like this, such so many things. Mm-hmm is ultimately confusing and not such a great idea. It can be, but I <laughs> do know? I do
0: think actually those terms sort of have come to represent different sects mm-hmm. of what I would term veganism generally. That's in my own personal book. This is not how anybody else labels it, but I do, like you're saying, there is a moderate and then there's a conservative. And it's funny because it makes me like, it makes me think maybe we need one more term to like or sort of maybe ramp it's it up.
2: Independent. I don't even know. Well,
0: what if I didn't say like? What if I said there's vegan and then I said next moving towards the middle I said it's plant based. But what if on the furthest edge of it? What if I said I'm a plant killer, plant cereal killer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not bad, right? Pretty good. Plant killer, yeah. yeah. Have you heard? Hung out with my plant killer buddy.
1: That guy's crazy. He <laughs> eats every vegetable. Whoa. He hates plants. He hates well, plants. He's taking them down. Yeah. He Ult- eats them because he hates them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ultimately, I think this just tells us that we really align our beliefs with what we eat. Yeah. Some people do. Some people Democrats. don't. <laughs> well, well, then on the on the far right, you could easily argue that like if you're conservative, you take pride in, in eating meat. That and might like be true too. Meat yeah, every day and well, it's, it's, true. it's like a you know? steak. And, I'm a red yeah. blooded American, I and I, I I love my, my steak. cheeseburgers and French fries. Yeah, and, steak. and I'm yeah. not giving that
1: up. Hell yeah!
0: No, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> really interesting
2: how food is politicized. Ooh,
0: it has very much become politicized because they'll mm-hmm. constantly talk about the Green New Deal. There are Republican lawmakers who will pose money. with a burger, and they'll be like, "You're never taking this from you know my." Cold, dead, and they're talking about
1: probably government subsidies. Is what they mean. Mm, mayor take my government subsidy from me. It's probably fair too. Yeah, yeah. They yeah.
2: telling you, we're running out of things to do. As yeah. <laughs> <It's> people, yeah, <laughs>
1: climb. Start climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Are climbers? Do you think a lot of climbers are vegan? Uh, I.
2: Uh, isn't that weird how it it begins to fit like a stereotype? Are a little bit more of like I, I feel like I generally look, I kind
0: the, of think I live in a bubble anyway I, well, <laughs> Los Angeles is fairly friendly oh. to vegans just across the board you know yeah. what I mean I can walk into almost every restaurant and if I say the word they can make me something in the back even if it's just vegetables it kind
1: of at least really tolerable of special needs that's true you know yeah we are that's true yeah. yeah the movie industry's done it man it's true because yeah. I think like a lot of the the first really um Big promoters were, were like actors uh, You well, know who were like true. eating line, and then they were getting on. Um,
0: and there's just great YouTube produce out here, too. I mean, you know what I mean? It's a much harder to be a, like Didn't a vegan Charlie or vegetarian. Did do
1: a big vegan segment? You know, was he? he like advocating I'm eating vegan sure. for a long time? I don't know. Hmm. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I, was gonna say. I don't think so. <laughs> Winning vegan, <I> was gonna, <laughs> right?
0: Uh. But yeah, I just, I mean, mm. it's, it's to be a vegan or vegetarian in a place where produce is not great uh, or, you know what I mean? You don't have access to things like that. It's uh it's a different deal. I mean, it's like, if I get to eat just seasonal fresh fruit, that,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Like imagine trying to be vegan in Argentina, man. But, well, a whole different deal. Right. Super meat focused. They'd I just mean, you be like, yeah. what? Uh-huh. No, thank you. Slap you. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's such a cultural thing mm-hmm. and it's so embedded in.
1: Or being in, vegan, like West Virginia, mm-hmm.
2: they should yeah. be like. This is this is what you do, mm-hmm.
1: you know? like you mean just going to eat like, you know, the gravy and the mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. Right?
0: yeah. Well, it is interesting. I mean, I know, mm-hmm. I know, just wherever we go, the language that we're using is, um, I don't know. We're trying to find find our way. Yeah. Um, well, I think you know, it really it comes
1: down to just like you know, vegans want uh, like better better quality food, uh-huh. better lifestyles for the animals, right. and a healthier more vast vegetable diet readily available. And like like you're saying, you're telling me about the government subsidies for meats. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of those subsidies, like half, should go towards um, vegetables uh-huh. and produce, things like that. Sure. So I think that is what is like the political side that mm-hmm. is, you know, totally... Reasonable. I can't imagine any good American, red-blood American, wouldn't agree with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, let's just get it done right there. All right. I <laughs> I, do, I okay. do have a
2: question. Uh-huh. Which is more popular? Oh, I mentioned this to you. I didn't
0: bring this up. Okay, right. So I, I was looking online. There's a thing called Google Trends where you can input two different things and see what people are searching for. If you had to guess, so just generally like a ratio of something to one, how much... Which would you guess is more popular, plant-based or vegan into Google? Is this like,
2: what are, what,
0: what? Just those terms. I know, but like what time frame are we looking at? I can give you, I I did the last year, but you can do like the next five years. It it gets, it's actually more.
2: So future or uh, in the past? No, in the past. I feel like right now it's
0: plant-based, but. But by like, so what's the ratio? How much more do people search for plant-based than they do for vegan? I think right now by 80%. Right. Gosh. So you're saying so right now because four, isn't plant-based is it plant based a very of, new idea? You're, you're saying like yeah. four out of every five searches for those terms is for plant based instead of vegan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: I'd Alex, say for like think? every four people looking to eat vegan, they're going to type plant based right now instead of typing vegan. Alex, I've what about yourself? i never typed in plant based.
2: Uh-huh. I always search vegan. Right. Same. Okay. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that vegan, but I don't. Oh, I don't know.
0: What do you think? How much more do you think people Last search year, vegan right? than plant based? <laughs>
2: Well, that's that's tricky because I think plant based right now, yeah. So, let's within do the, the past year, year, yeah, is do probably the last year popular. So, <laughs> what do
1: you think? Mine's based on totally nothing, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> make a guess.
2: Um. I think fine. I'll go with plant-based. I think maybe slightly, like maybe 20% more than vegan just in the past. So it's not, it's
0: it's not even close. Check this out. Vegan is searched for almost 80 times for every one time. That plant-based. Oh, so the for. opposite. Yeah. Oh, okay. you tricked me. See.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't that crazy, though? I, I couldn't believe it. Wasn't I even, it's not even ratios. No, on, it's not so. even close. <laughs> it's not even like remotely oh, close. Okay. People are searching for vegan eighty times more than they search for plant-based. Yeah okay that makes sense
2: interesting because it seems like such a buzzword i know know. that's how i felt too i just maybe i'm in a
0: bubble i don't know it's always that question of like maybe the things that i'm looking at but what's interesting to see is to see where they look so for example you can see what states look for what and um vegan is very popular everywhere but plant-based is more popular um it's coastally uh it says especially new england and florida and then you get places where um you even see things like uh kansas kansas uh, minnesota i was gonna say
1: like just a little bit really yeah like plant-based because it it would it's a way to keep their political views in line well that's what (laughs) that's what i would assume too yeah because it's a way of
0: saying you're sort of doing it for health reasons than for animal rights which is just again a different reason to go (laughs) vegan Mm -hmm. um anyway very fascinating wow i know surprising uh i want to thank you all for being part of this with me uh, it was fantastic. I want to thank everybody for joining us for Vegan Carne Alliance. Um, you can find us online at vegan carne alliance on Instagram or vegancarnealliance.com. Jesse Molinix, how can we find you online?
1: Strong, oh, I was going to say, you can find me at the Stronghold Climbing Gym. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's true. You can. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Jesse Molinix or Dakota Molinex, One's art, one's food. Or my Facebook, I think, is also Jess Moex. I don't really go on a whole lot, but that's how you can find me. Uh And Alex, how can we find you online?
2: Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Alex Irrit, Uh I-R-I-T. And uh, you can't find me anywhere otherwise because I'm in a hole doing studies for the next three weeks (laughs) Um,
1: so thank everybody what is your address social security number
2: Um,
0: i want to thank everybody for listening to this episode we really appreciate you having here um if you really enjoyed this and you want to help other people find this if you give us five stars online um we are now officially finally on every single service so you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify um soundcloud stitcher google and in the google play store so i Pretty much all the major hitters. Um, if you have anything you want to say to us, if you want to let us know in the ratings, that would be wonderful. So thank you all for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your year and uh, we'll see you soon.
1: Yeah. Vegan. Carnage. Alliance. <laughs> yeah. Vegan. Alliance. Baby. Vegan.
0: Carnet. Carne, alliance. alliance. Vegan, carne, alliance Vegan, carne, (laughs) alliance